So we're going to carry on talking, finishing off talking about team um, this morning. And um, we're just going to start by reading Psalm 133. Behold how good it and how pleasing it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the upon the, the head, running down the down the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on on the edge of his garment. It's like the dew of Hemron descending upon the mountain mounts of Zion, for there the Lord commands a blessing, life forevermore. Uh, when I came back to Wales, um, don't know what that was on my laptop. When I came back to Wales, a lot of people quoted this scripture at me about unity. And I would get invited to these pastors' get-togethers, and um, I don't bother going anymore because it was kind of like they kind of felt that unity just meant if we all get in the same room, um, there was unity, and I just it was just like an excuse to have a nice fry-up, really, and to people to pastors to pretend that they actually really liked each other, um, and a lot, you know what I mean? Uh, never, yeah, but there wasn't really unity in the room. It was more about my church is better than your church and your church isn't big enough and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, God's not going to bless this because there's not unity in the room. Amen? And I think unity is not necessarily about conformity because we're told that we're all made differently and uniquely in Christ. Unity is about when we can come together with our unique way that God has made us but work together as a team to uh, be the goal that God wants us to be. Amen? If you remember three weeks ago, I talked about rugby. If you go on a rugby, if you lined a rugby team up from uh, all 15 players, you would not find unity. Because they're all different sizes, different shapes. Some can run, some can't run. Some some have got degrees in maths and science and whatever. And some of them are just, you know, scraped. Do you know what I mean? The whole spectrum of society would be lined up within these 15 men. But if you get a great 15 men and put them together and they work within their individual talents within a team, they become an unstoppable force. Amen? Went to watch Newport play Munster yesterday, and it was quite funny. For the first 10 minutes, um, I was there with Bill. Bill's Irish. He's from Munster. For the first 10 minutes, he was cheering on Newport. And then I realized that Munster, and I explained to him that Munster weren't the ones in black and red. They were the ones in red. And... Um, He's like, oh, <laughs> I should have let him carry on for the whole like, 80 minutes. And I, uh, but, but unity isn't about conformity. It's about trust and faith within a group of people. That's what I think it's about. You don't have to agree, but that's what I think. And I think unity needs to come around, be formed around a vision and a shared set of values. So for a rugby team, the, 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 the vision is we're going to win. And the set of shared values is how you're going to win. So um, I coach Newport schools, and my value is for Newport schools is that they just simply pass the ball. If we can get that going, we might win something. Forget the <laughs> So I'm there constantly reinforcing the values quite quietly from the sideline by screaming as loud as I can at them to pass the ball. And um, because I don't know my left and right, I shout, pass it this way. And the other coach says, which is this way? I'm like, well, they should know which way this way is. It's where I am. But we have a shared vision and we come together. So this church has a vision. The vision of this church is to restore the church back to its rightful place within community. 
You know, if you go back 100 years, the church was leading society. And at the moment, we're not even sometimes on the radar of society. So our vision as a church is to reclaim the God-given place that, was, that is there for us. To go back and take it. And we have a set of values um, that we, we form around that, like outrageous generosity, uh, radical discipleship, um, all those kind of things that form what we do, that bring unity. So the key to unity is to understand the vision. Because we all bring our own interpretation to a, vis- to, a, to a vision, don't we? So if you said to me, um, if you gave me a vision, uh, for say, share my vision statement to me, straight away, I'm actually thinking through my mind what that looks like. Does that make sense? I have an interpretation of what it is. If you read in John 18, 10 to 40, it says, Then Simon Peter, who had, had, a, who had a sword drawn, sword drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup of the, fa- the Father has given me? Then the, then the, the, so Jesus and Peter are in the garden, and they come to arrest him. And because of Peter's understanding of the vision, he thinks his plan is that Jesus is going to come back overthrow everybody and take his rightful place as king over over Jerusalem. That's his vision. That's what he's thinking. So he's thinking, they're coming to get the boss, so I'm going to fight for the last stand to defend him. So he chops someone's ear off. So he's not doing something wrong because he's defending Jesus, but he hasn't understood the vision and the values of what Jesus was about. I don't know where he'd been for the last three or four years. You know, so... You've got to make sure that when you join a team, that you understand where, where, where the leadership and where the, the direction of the team is. Because, because you can come in and do right things that are completely right, like Peter was completely right, he was defending Jesus. So what they were about to do was completely unjust. You know? But Jesus is like, you don't really understand. I'm on this earth to die as a living sacrifice so that humanity can be restored back to God. You, you, you're seeing it in your own little vision of where you are as Peter, but you're not seeing it in the overall vision of what, what the whole purpose of who I am. So when it comes to church, we can step into a church environment and think, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, which is all great stuff. But it needs to be, where is this whole thing going? What, what, what is the point of all of this? You know, so uh, Amber that you know, she runs a scrapbooking group on a Wednesday night. She runs a scrapbooking group on a Wednesday night is because we want to have a vision where we draw the community into a place where they meet other Christians. So when she came to ask me about, she said, I've got a passion for scrapbooking. Her scrapbooking group isn't necessarily about scrapbooking. Do you see what I mean? It's not about, I love scrapbooking, so I'm just going to get more people that love scrapbooking. And we're going to scrapbook. Brian calls it the scrapping club. Bit like Fight Club, maybe. I don't know. I've never been, so it could be. We don't know. Rich has, yeah. Rich turned it into the coloring group, I think, didn't he? Yeah. But she was able to take something of her goals and her talents and interpretate the vision of what the church is and say, actually, I can marry these two. Here's something that I really enjoy doing, but here's something that I can do that fulfills the overall vision of the church. Does that make sense? So you can have right heart but wrong vision. So you can be 100% right, but your vision is 100% wrong, so therefore you have conflict. And the problem we often find, I've found on this journey of being a pastor, is, is people 
are like, yeah, but I'm this, I'm that. They're not able to lay down their gifts and their talents to grab hold of the overall vision of what the church is. So they tend to try and run off in their own direction. And the pastor's like, this just isn't working. You know, you, you just need to try and embrace what we're trying to do here and try. And sometimes I, I have no problem with people coming and saying, to be honest with you, Pastor Mike, this is not where I fit. The, the vision that you have as a church, I, I, it doesn't really resonate with me. Come and see me because let me tell you, there's enough great churches in Newport. I could go and, well, go and speak to my mate Robbie Howells down the road because I think your talents and your, your giftings would probably fit in way more better there. Or they might fit in Bethesda at the top of the hill or whatever. Sometimes it's not necessarily about everything's wrong. It's just about it's not the right fit. Amen? You know, at the end of the day, oh, I'm going to drink some water. Hang on. At the end of the day, someone's got to be in charge. That's the bottom line. You know, Jesus was in charge. Jesus was a phenomenal leader, but he was in charge. Sometimes he made decisions that uh, I think every one of the disciples was like, I have no idea why we're doing this. So why have we gathered a crowd and then he's just told us we're going to feed them? Because it would be so much easier if we send them home right now. But sometimes you have to follow a leader. Sometimes there, has to, some, there always has to be a leader and, and to give direction. Romans 13, 1-2 says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except by God's appointment. You know, I've, 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 been, on, I've been in many different churches, and I've been in churches sometimes where, this is not to be arrogant, but I've been under leaders, and I think, I could just do so much better job than what you did. <laughs> uh, your, you know, your interpersonal skills are like, ouch. You know, you're meant to be dealing with people, so try and be nice to them. Uh, and I've struggled, and I've really found it really hard. And uh, I was in a church in New Zealand for a season, and I desperately tried to to get behind the pastor. And it was just really, really hard. But because he was just had no interpersonal skills with anybody, you know, he he was an architect, so he was used to shouting at builders and bricklayers and those kind of things, and dealing with drawings on pictures, but not dealing with people. And uh, I was like, God, why are you doing this? And God said, well, I, I, I put you there because you're actually the one that's good with people. So your job is to make him look good. You, you know, I, I put him there. Uh, a group of elders and a group of leadership prayed, and they made a decision to put him there. So your job isn't to, to, worry, to moan and, and to carry on the fact that you want him removed. Your job is to try and make him better what he does. I was like, do I have to, really? And they're like, yes, you do. So I spent a whole year covering his back, going around and saying, actually, what he's saying is right, but really, let me, let me, let me expand that with you with a little bit more love and care and, uh, and pastoral support so that you can understand where he's coming from. And uh, we ended up being quite a good team, even though we were like chalk and cheese. And uh, at the end of the year, he actually resigned and is no longer a pastor. But I look back at the season of that church. If he had never came in, it wouldn't have moved as quick as what it did. Because he came in... And he didn't make emotional decisions. He made great business decisions, great practical decisions. And he transitioned the church within a year that probably would have taken me five years because I would have been too worried about looking after everybody. 
He's like, this needs to get done. This needs to get done. This easily needs to get sorted out. This needs to get sorted out. This needs to get. And when the next guy came in, he had a clear slate because everything legally had been tied up. The building was, I was like, that was our work. But God says, yeah, sometimes it is hard work. And we had to go for a season of hard work for me to position the church so the next pastoral pastor that came through wasn't bogged down. Does that make sense? You know, we believe in a God of order. So, you know, we've got to believe that, that God is going to put people in charge. You know, we have to pray for our leadership. You know, we have to honor them. We, we, you know, it's a bit hard standing up here as a leader, but we do. We have a responsibility, you know, to because often, you know, when it comes to church, I, I see things from a different perspective to anybody else within this building. And if I didn't, I shouldn't be the leader. Because my job is to think about the moment and to think about the future all in one. Uh, you know, to think about where, where are we going in five years' time. I'm thinking about five years' time. I'm thinking about when this building is finished, where we're going to buy the next building. That's where I'm thinking. I'm thinking so that when we get there, it's not a shock. So when we get there, I can say, let me explain what I've been thinking about for the last year. What I've been thinking about for the last two years. So often leaders will see things. Jesus saw something in that Garden of Eden when Peter rushes out with his sword that Peter couldn't ever see. Peter just saw the moment, but Jesus saw the future and the destiny for humanity. You know, what we're doing here might only be one note in a long song that God is writing for Faith Church in Rogerstone. And I'm trying to look at the whole piece, not just the moment. So sometimes I'll make decisions that don't make sense, but they make sense when we've got the whole piece of music together. You know, godly teams keep loving whatever. I love the fact that Jesus, Peter gets it completely wrong in the Garden of Eden. He gets completely the wrong idea of what's going on, and he tries to kill someone. I actually reckon he was trying to chop the guy's head off, and he missed. That's what I think. Because um, it's quite, you know, if I was going to swing for someone, I was going to make, and it was a Roman soldier or whatever, I was going to make sure, I would make sure he wouldn't get back up in again, you know? Like if you ever punch someone in rugby, you just, you know, you either make sure there's someone bigger next to you that you can run away, you make sure they don't get up again. But I love the fact that Jesus has these group of disciples that are, you know, one of them he ultimately knows is going to betray him. Uh, he knows that ultimately this, this guy called Peter is going to disown him. And, but he keeps loving. He, he keeps embracing them. He doesn't, he doesn't say, oh, well, you messed up. I'm really, really sorry, Peter. You can no longer be part of the team because you've got anger management issues. And I know every time it's going to come to a sticky situation, you're just going to pull that sword out again and try and kill someone. And that's just not the right look we're looking for in Jesus's army. He doesn't. He embraces him. He says, I love your passion, Peter. I love the fact that you, we need to calm it down and focus it a little bit. I need to tell you a bit more about what the vision is, but I would have hoped you got it by now. Uh, but he doesn't throw him out. He embraces him. You know, if we're to be a team of unity, we're going to have to embrace everybody. We're going to have to draw in the people that frustrate us and draw in the people that maybe don't necessarily fit the right social standard or whatever. We're going to need to draw them in. It's interesting because when Jesus returns to them and, uh, and they're in the boat, it says, then the disciples who Jesus set, uh, then the disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him, 
it's the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. Jesus makes this comment after he's chopped someone's ear off. He's disowned him. And then Jesus is out there, turns up on the beach, and Peter's there. And Jesus says, that's the disciple I love. And embraces a misfit, someone that we would probably say, I've come back, I've, I've risen from the dead. It'd probably be really good for my PR if we didn't connect. Because you're the one that's run around town for the last couple of days telling me you never met me. And everybody knows you, do, you have met me because they've seen us knocking around for the last three years. It would be so much easier for him to do a PR kind of Facebook unfriend thing. You know, you're no longer on my Instagram account or my Facebook account. You know, I, I no longer want to associate with you. But Jesus says, hey, you're the one I love. You're, the one, you're still on the team. We've got some stuff to sort out, but you're still on the team. And he draws him in to the point where he says, I love you. For so long, churches battled to make teams out of perfect people. Jesus was never called to perfect people. He was called to the brokenness of humanity. Maybe we should, church should be known as the best group of people to work with the best messed up people in this world. Maybe. Uh, maybe we should make that our skill set of having a team with a group of people that no one else would have on their team because we embrace them. Maybe. If we're going to have a value of unconditional honor and radical discipleship, you don't need that for people that are all together and got it all lined up. You need that for people that are going to do your head in, say the wrong things, swear at people. <laughs> but those are the people that Jesus was drawn, drawn to. Amen? You're very quiet this morning. Do you say good, Alicia? Oh, cool. Stay in your lane and cheer on the rest. Now, small church, right? This is kind of, I think, where we're at. Small church, right? The reality is, if you're a church under about 50, you have to do everything. That's just reality. So there's no point, you know, we've all had to have a crack at something, you know. I've, I've preached and done sound at the same time. Uh, Alicia's done preaching, sound, hospitality, everything at the same time. You know, you do. <laughs> yeah, we've all, you know, we've all been there. We've all, you know, planted. We all young small churches. You think, I know what I'm talented at, and I've only done two percent of that today, because I've had to do everything else to get this thing. That's that's young church. That's church planning. That's part of the adventure. And there's actually a skill set in that itself. The fact that you can multitask and throw. That's a, that's a skill. So, and there's people in this room that have that skill. But there's also people in this, this room that have specific skills, that have skills that are kind of in their lane, that, that, that they're really good at. And, and I think, you know, I think it's really important uh, to, to know what you're good at and cheer on the people that, that know what they're good at. I think sometimes teams can fall apart when people start to have opinions about things they know nothing about or, or input into teams, you know. So, like, to be honest... I know what sounds good on a Sunday. I know what kind of music I like. But if you tell me whether it's played in D sharp, F, I don't know. I have no idea. I can tell them when they're out of tune, which is not very often. But I have, so there's no point me sitting down as the senior pastor in St. Louis. I'm the senior pastor of this church, Lewis. And uh, I want you to play that, that song in the chord of, I don't know, A. 
because I'm the senior pastor and because I'm in charge. That, that's not my lane, you know. Um, me and Tim are going to join the worship team, aren't we, Tim, when they, when they up the game. We were just saying this morning, uh, we, we let the guys up there this morning, but when, when they come up to our standard, me and Tim are just on it. Give it, give it another year, maybe. What did you just say? We'd all go home if we sang. It's not about the talent. It's about the heart, Helen. I did get booed off stage once at a sailing competition for singing We Are Sailing. And I was in a band once called The Rolling Boulders, and we sang with pillowcases on our head. And there are photos. <laughs> anyway, what was I talking about? You know, but I think as we grow, we need to embrace the fact that, that we are a, we're a community of people with different skills. And I cheer on that person's skill, but I don't try and tell them what to do. You know, I'm like, I have no idea what you're doing, but it looks cool, so keep going. What can I do to support you? What can I, you know, and as churches grow, we're not going to understand some things. We're not going to understand what's happening in that team over there and that team over there and that. Because that's part of growing church. we just got to say, I'm just going to champion you. I'm just going to cheer you on. I, I, don't need to, I don't understand what you're doing, but it looks cool, so I'm just going to cheer you on. I'm going to pray for you. Ephesians 2 says, For we are all God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works with God, God prepared in advance for us to do. God's prepared something for every person in this room to do within this, do this, and do within this community. If you feel that Faith Church is your home, there is a place for you. It may not be exactly where you think it is. It may have to try to do things, but there is a place for you. There is a lane for you. There is a fit for you. There is. Like me and Liz were talking after church last Sunday, and um, we were talking, and um, Claire is going to set up a intercession. What's it called? See, I have no idea. I just know we need one. Like, I'm not going to go to it. <laughs> but me and Liz were talking. Liz says, look, you know, busy. I, got, I can't. Liz, Liz, Liz would probably have a go if I asked her on the building because she's that kind of woman. But it's not really Liz's skill set. But that is Liz's skill set. So I'm going to cheer Liz on to meet Claire. And there's other people in this room. And if there is people in the room and you want to get involved, go and see Claire. Because she's got a great ability to organize and a passion for it. So that's her lane. So we're f do you see what I mean? But I'm, I'm not going to join that lane. No way. Couldn't sit still long enough. We'd probably have to be quiet for more than five minutes, wouldn't we? Yeah, see. Already I'm having a panic attack. But that's their lane, so let's cheer them on in their lanes. So when we meet people, say, hey, this is your lane. Oh, I love making cakes. Or oh, let me introduce you to the hospitality team. I love painting. Well, come and join me. We've got plenty of walls to paint. You know? I love welding. Shane, he's welding up this thing above the coffee bar. It's made out of three bicycle wheels. It's going to have, you know, that's his lane. That's his ministry. Give him a welding kit and an angle grinder, and he's away. Don't need shine, Jesus, shine. Just needs a blowtorch. And a pile of scrap metal. That's his lane. You know, we've all got our lane. And within this community, as we grow, our, our, our God-given mission to bring unity is to help people find their lane and then encourage them in it. Corinthians 2, 5 to 6 says, There are different kinds of service, but the same God. 
the different kinds of work, but all of them and in everyone, it is the great, it is the same God at work. Do you want to come up and play Disney? We were debating whether we played Saving Nemo or The Lion King. No, be spiritual. The one thing, you know, the one thing that I think brings unity, right, and is when we fight for one another. You know, when there's, when there's that corporate fight for one another. You know, we used to have this saying when I started playing rugby here in Rotterdam, one in, all in. You know, if it kicks off, we're all in. We, play some, we played a team up in Combran, which was a leftover from the steelworks. And um, half of my team were police officers. So, and they'd arrested half the other team during their careers. So it was a legal way to be able to punch a police officer. I wanted to get a badge made saying, I'm an A&E nurse, you may need me. <laughs> so please don't punch me because I am of use to you. <laughs> I remember we played it there once and the, the, it kicked off. And I, no, like, normally the first, there's always a scuffle in the first five minutes. You've got you to introduce yourselves, haven't you? You've got to have a you know, man to a little chat. And it, the forwards kicked off and I was like, here we go again. I sat on it. And then, and then the forwards kicked off and then, then the, the back row started to kick and it, and it started to spread across the pitch. And then there's me out on the wing thinking, the fight's getting nearer and nearer to me. And then I looked at the winger like, I suppose me and you got to go out now, haven't we? That's why I'm playing on the wing, because I don't want to fight. So I went and grabbed the winger by the shirt, and he grabbed me, and we just smiled at each other like, let's just look like we're kind of having a fight. Yeah, let's kind of make it gentlemanly, whilst the forwards are knocking the snot out of each other. Um, but I remember, like, every game that had that, you know, I'm not... Anyway, every game that had that edge, you know, you just it went kicked off, and we, well, we all muscled in. And like, I'm not. There was some unity in the bar afterwards. Do you know what I mean? We went out on the pitch, and we won, because we because we had each other's back. We'd all have a shake hands in the bar, and you, you know, that's rugby, you know, everybody's friends. But there was something about a unity that the fact that everybody on my team knew that if it kicked off and it came to it, everybody was in. Everybody was in. And, 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 and I think that needs to be in church. Because quite a lot happens in Welsh church when it kicks off. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, we knew that guy was coming. Well, yeah, we knew, yeah. We were just waiting for that, to be honest. And if Pastor Mike had listened to me, he would have realized that I told him three years ago that was going to happen. Maybe three years ago, Pastor Mike was stressed out of his head and wasn't really... Uh, and maybe three years ago, you should have said to Pastor Mike, that was going to happen. And maybe three years ago, you should have said, I really just think this is kicking off. You know, Welsh churches are very good at turning on themselves. They're very good at eating themselves alive. And, and the whole blame game. Let's be a different church. If you come after someone in this building, devil, you're coming after all of us. One in, we're all in. If someone comes and knocks this church, they're knocking not just Pastor Mike, they're knocking a community of faith. 
If someone comes after what we're doing in Blind Avenue, they're not coming after Damon and Sharon, they're coming after Faith Church. Yeah, we can all, well, they should have done, or should have done, oh, yeah, that's always going to be there. That's just life. You know, we all make, let's leave that at the door and say, look, there's a brother and sister that needs an army with them. Regardless if they made the dumbest decision in their life to get themselves in a mess, if we're a team that's united under Jesus Christ, we fight. We roll up our sleeves and we get involved. If the church down the road needs, has an issue, we turn up as a community of faith and say, we're backing you. We don't say, you don't sing our songs, you don't have our lights, you don't. No, it's kingdom. One in, we're all in. We're in this together. I was, um, I was, uh, like this week has been a pretty like hard week this week. I've never read so many documents in one week. I've never read so much in one week, to be honest. It's, uh, me and Helen sat around the dining room table for like two hours reading documents. She had her glasses on. We look, we look professional. We look like we knew what we're on about. <laughs> we didn't have a clue, but but I, I was just the thing. I was just observing the reactions to to something that we're doing as a church, and um, and preparing for this. And God said to me. The reason that this is happening, Mike, is so you can see what I see. I was like, oh, could have been a lot easier if it's all got. And I was like, God, God says, no, you have to see the heart of the thing that I'm going against. And it's Welsh disunity. It's Valley's disunity. It's this thing about you did this, you did that. Do you know what I mean? It's a spirit. And like, I was like, God, why is that here? He said, well, why do you think it was here? Because before 1904, Wales was the plan of revival. 1904 was just one revival of many revivals. We talk about 1904 and Evans Roberts and what he did and that revival as a one-off. Look, there was a culture of revival in this nation where someone would put up a tent on a field and hundreds would come and get saved. And then they do it again in a couple of years, and hundreds have come saved. And then we had this big thing in 1904, which changed the global world for Jesus. And then we've had nothing. Because disunity came in. We can have our revival all-night prayer meetings. We can have our 52-hour fast. We can have all of that. We can do all of that. But nothing's going to change. God was saying nothing's going to change unless we change as a community and demonstrate unity within a church. Unconditional love, unconditional honor, radical discipleship, that we don't let anybody leave the room. If you want to leave, we're going to chase after you because we love you and want you to be part of this. When we can get that right, God says he can turn up and do something new. But until then, he's like, God, God's like, I'm not turning up here. It's not that I don't love you, but you just can't cope with what I want to do. And what, and I just like what Alicia's been saying about the wind. I just think that like, you know, when you, if you've ever been sailing, you can see for miles when you go sailing. You get out in the ocean and you can see for hundreds of miles and you'll see the storm. And you can see the black clouds coming. And I believe that God is coming and wants to change our nation. But it's like the wind is holding it offshore because we're not ready for what God wants to do. And God's like, position yourself. 
Be a great team. Be united. Find out what your talent is and serve the church. Stay in your lane. Let's, let's be united and love and fight for one another because then God says, then I'll let the wind blow. But don't pray for the wind because the wind's already there. Pray for unity and love and, and a togetherness in you as a community. Amen? Let's stand to our feet.